0: Compliments to the chef. I'm your host, Nancy. And
1: I'm Bits. <laughs> I gotta figure out a more. I don't know. I'm still trying stuff on, okay? It's
0: okay. We're new. We're figuring it out. It's just season one. Anyway, welcome back to the pod. We're so happy to have you. On today's episode, we are going to be dissecting season six, episode six, Las Vegas. And we are
1: just really excited to begin. So why don't we heat up some leftovers? Why don't we? Um, okay, so coming out of the gate, just want to... Nancy and I are pretty sure we missed a couple, so we'll need to go back and like maybe double reheat next week on some, some things. But two that we definitely remembered. Um, the first was uh, doing a little bit of due diligence on the number of top chefs who have LinkedIn profiles. I'm not going to lie. I... Searched for a couple of the chefs this season. Um, Jen Carroll popped up. And at that point, I'm like, I'm kind of done. I really hate LinkedIn. So all to say, Jen Carroll has a LinkedIn, Um, I won't say that it's common. Um, As someone who was searching for a job in the year of our Lord
0: 2023, I also hate LinkedIn. It's the worst place on the internet. Anti-shoutouts to LinkedIn. Anti-shoutouts. So Uh, yeah, let's not spend on our weekend. Let's not spend any time on LinkedIn. So let's just go straight into our next leftover, which I'm going to heat up, which was uh, some quick math. Which, if you went to business school with me, you'll know I'm not very good at. So, (laughs) we're going to do some not quick math on how old Ashley's niece or nephew is. Now, (laughs) because I am really good at casing and, you know, BCG, McKinsey, Bain, hire me. Some consulting assumptions. Assuming that this show was filmed in 2008 because it aired in 2009. Mm -hmm. And we know that the show films spring-summer. So, if this child was born sort of early <laughs> summer 2008, <laughs> you enjoying this? Yeah. Then drum roll, please. Uh, this child is 15 years old, which I'm sure all of you figured out a long time ago. Yeah. But it just took me a little longer. That's well, we why got I don't there. work a- in consulting. But anyway, um, we know, as Bits said, we know there are more, but. Uh, We actually, for once in our lives, did not listen to ourselves over and over again to pick them out. So we're going to do a better job next time. You might hear a few more leftovers from us. So, let's begin.
1: Let's begin. Um, Some quick fire reactions. Okay, I'm going to come out of the gate and say like, to me, episode six is really the episode where chef's personalities are really like starting to form in my minds, or like my opinions of chefs. Oh, it takes I, that long. I don't know if it's me personally or if if what I'm getting from the show is a much more crystallized point of view on who the chefs are to one another. So to, to kind of say it simply, like I think this is the first episode where we're really seeing the annoyance the chefs have for Robin uh, and her kind of staying power for lack of a better word um i
0: think we're seeing a dark horse contender for most likely to stay in it for too long yeah and have it annoy everyone else yeah everyone everyone loves mateen everyone hates robin that's what i have for my notes at the top of this episode but um in general um i think this episode to me Felt like a bit of a throwaway.
1: Yeah, it was like kind of the, a transitional... I was
0: uninspired by both the quick fire and the elimination challenge. Yeah. It didn't really... Up until now, each challenge has showcased talents and characteristics of the chefs in a different way. Like, every, if you're really strong at adapting, you've had one challenge that's mm-hmm. really good for that. If you're really strong at classical technique, you've had a challenge for that to shine through. But... This one it sort of felt like same old, same old uh, and it didn't really feel innovative.
1: Yeah, I I agree like let's let's actually just get right into episode recap. yeah um, absolutely because the quick fire. so guest judge this week, Michelle Bernstein, I have a little bit of info on her, but let's get into it. yeah before we we'll go come into back her. to that. Um, th- my first reaction so the challenge this week was an angel versus devil duo challenge um Padma goes on to expand and say we want you to cook food that represents the angel on your left shoulder and the devil on your right um specifically on your personal battles of being chef it took just way too long to explain it but like the long the long and short of it is like cook two things and one is like a little gluttonous and one's a little healthy and like that's kind of where everybody took it
0: yeah and I don't know if you agree with this but it essentially was a rehash of yeah. the very first elimination challenge, which was Cook Your Vice. Yes. Same, same.
1: I did. I, I I thought the exact same thing. I also was curious, like, if you thought, when you heard Duo Challenge, like, what did that mean as far as like the, the primary protein in each? Like, are you thinking it's the same? Are you thinking it's different? Having watched a lot of Top Chef prior, I assumed that it was like.
0: Same dish, two different ways. Yeah, okay. But a lot of people interpreted it differently. Yeah. Where they literally just made two different dishes.
1: Yeah. It, 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 and it wasn't the majority. Like, I actually think most chefs did do the same thing two ways. We actually had three chefs cook scallops. So we got a little bit of a top scallop nod this week. Um, Save that for another season. Yeah. That For our loyal fans, stick around.
0: right. There's season. an iconic top chef line coming up.
1: Um, but yeah, uh, you know... I don't think we need to spend a ton of time in this week's quickfire. To be honest, like uh, some standouts have to comment. Eli won on the risotto counter for this week. Um, <laughs> yes. he, he actually managed to do two kind of like classic top chef stereotypes. He did well, three actually. He did scallops. He did scallops two ways, and he made a risotto. So like in my mind, he actually wins. Like just like. It's, like, the triple crown of Top Chef, like, to just do, like, the most, like, oh, my God, shit. Um, Yes, we also have um,
0: Kevin once again doing bacon. I love Kevin. He can do no wrong, but, like, we need him to branch out a bit from his Southern boy bacon stuff. We know he has
1: fine dining in him. Like, let's move on a bit. We, we, We got it. And honestly, like, a quick interjection here, just to... To give uh, where we're at on the counter of each of these items. Oh, yeah, thank you. I actually think we are currently sitting at, let's see, we've got three total risottos this season, and we've got seven total bacon usages. Um, So, not to say we haven't seen a ceviche yet this episode, but shockingly ceviche blows both of those out of the water with a total of 11 ceviches made this this season so far that's an average two almost two per episode it's so it's so crazy to me because you would think
0: that once a chef sees another chef do a ceviche they'd be like okay i'm not gonna do ceviche are you okay question for you are you the type of person at dinner who if someone orders the same thing that you're going to order, you'll change your order. I'll change my order. Me too. And so for me, I would see, oh, Jen Carroll's doing ceviche. I won't do ceviche.
1: Because then you're, well, and that, and like, you're going to be compared. Always. Yeah. As we saw last episode, battling ceviches. Two, three, four shitty (laughs) ceviches. Three of which were Bettines. But anyway, so just had to kind of give a nod to that. Um, yeah, this was, like, kind of just, I don't know. It, it had all the makings of, like, being a fun challenge, but it was a little too overwrought. Um, Robin actually ends up winning this challenge much to the other chef's annoyance. Oh, she, my God. She made you a just... crumble and salad. Yes. And so
0: her reasoning there was she, in recent years, had been diagnosed with cancer. And I'm gathering because of her participation in the show was in remission at this time. Yeah. Um, but... In going through those treatments, she had to eat a very healthy diet. So she was talking about how uh, her angel was the healthy diet that helped her get through her cancer treatment, and the devil were the sugary foods that she was not allowed to eat. And I actually think of all of these people, it was a great grounding principle. Yes. It really was.
1: I totally agree. Now,
0: whether or not her food was the best of everyone's, jury is out. I really can't speak to it. The salad... Was giving me hints of Eve earlier in the season of like ugly wedding salad, apple crumble. I'm sure it's delicious, but I really just couldn't get a sense that this dish was good. But I think from a conceptual standpoint, I liked hers a lot. Yeah. But um, the other chefs definitely had some choice words about her using this.
1: Full a hole about that. He honestly, I don't really like Eli, and I'll try not to like let it color, but like. He's just, like, kind of nasty. Like, he's, like, not a nice
0: He's dude gross. He makes comments about women. He makes comments about Padma. Yeah. He d- And he's always insulting other people, other chefs. Yeah. And he, ha- I will quote him directly because I do not want to misquote what could be one of the most offensive things I've heard on this show, uh, which was, that's a pretty good way to win a quick fire. Tell people you have cancer. Oh, my God. I mean, weak.
1: Yo. Yeah. This dude, like, is a bowling ball of a man and he needs to roll on out. Moment of silence for Eli's idiocy. Yeah, and lack of neck to be honest. <laughs> His head is not screwed on right. That's what we're seeing. Yeah, he just... Uh, Whatever. Not to, that That wasn't quote. Cool. should make it face. This guy just really bothers me. Anyways. Yes,
0: but so let's do top and bottom quickly just to close out our yeah, quick yeah. fire. So on the top we have Mike Voltaggio which I'm sure he was happy about after last week's performance yeah. of the train wreck quote... Of a quick-fire dish he had. Then, unfortunately, Eli, bowling ball, half Mm -hmm. of the Pickle Brothers. Mm -hmm. But the worst half of the Pickle Brothers, because I love Kevin. They're
1: like like, bread and butter of the Pickle Brothers. Yeah, yeah,
0: yes. Thank you. And then we have Robin, who wins. On the bottom, we have Ash, who did not complete the challenge. He only made one dish. And what he did complete was not good. Brian Voltaggio, who actually gave a talking head... At the beginning, yeah, saying oh. I've really been failing at quick fires. I try to do too much, and then unfortunately, once again, you know, when they
1: do a, a talking head like that, it's going one of two ways. Yep, did not go the right way this time. Did way. not. And then last
0: but not least, we have Lorene, who was boring and uninnovative. So you know,
1: kind of a boring quick fire. Yeah, it was, and like you know. <laughs> My guy making more freaking Greek food. Like, come on, dude. I don't know. I'm glad that Padma's like why <laughs> You're wise Greek and it. you're tired of it. Yeah, I'm so tired of yeah, it. Yeah, and Padma's bored, too. Um, so anyway, so so we're chilling. The quick fire's over. We get to meet our guest judges this season. Um, Penn and Teller. <laughs> what do you think of this? Wow, point? what a blast from the past. You know what's funny is like, I c- still get them confused with the one, like with the Vegas show with the Tigers. Oh, is that different?
0: Oh, yeah, it's different. Oh, what were their names? Um... Okay, leave it for the leftovers. I can't conjure it right now. I'll, I've,
1: I've got to Google it while we're sitting because it's going to bother me. But um, Tiger lost Vegas. So there's an S. And one of them got eaten by the tiger. Oh, Sigfrieden Roy. Sigfrieden Roy. I was, the two Sigmund, name thing. I
0: was thinking Sigmund Freud. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> Fried and Roy. I yes. think the other one had been eaten by the tiger at this point. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I guess so. I forgot <laughs> Hate to see that. It. Occupational hazard. Yo. If your occupation is tiger, Would he
1: eat that? He did eat that. <laughs> 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 oh, shit.
0: <laughs> okay, so whatever. Right, we we have, have Ben and Teller.
1: They are magicians. They are not tiger people. Um, they are not eaten either. So um, they come out with some cup and balls. <laughs> and they're just, like, doing some crazy cup and ball Do tricks. Do like magic? I love magic. I actually have a YouTube video of me, like, some dude coming up to me in the park and, like, doing magic at me. And, yeah, I'll send it to you later. It's crazy. What? Yeah. The, I was, like, at a work you event. You put it on YouTube? No, the magician did. He's like, are you cool if I put this on YouTube? He oh, was, like, was, a like, popular man on magician. The, man on the street. Yeah. Like, I'm, like, I'm the perfect person for a magician because I'm really gullible. Um, This was probably two years ago in, in uh, shoot, what's the park right there? Dumbo. Like, the, yeah, right at that park, he like came over. We were sitting Brooklyn on the Bridge ground. Park. Yeah, he was like, "I'm gonna just do some tricks." So I, that was like one magic. Uh, I've actually had a lot of magician um, stories. So that's that's one. I'll try to track that down. The other one is when I was in LA, um, my friend took me to the Magic House or something. Oh, Magic Castle. The Magic Castle. Very famous. I've never been. What's it like? um like super like kitschy in, like a really fun LA way. Uh, we sat at like Carrie Grant's favorite table or Humphrey Bogart, one of them, or some shit. So, anyways, I get called up on stage because uh, I- I'm like very good at like getting the attention of like the person on stage. We
0: are opposites. I never want to. Oh, be I always want to volunteer
1: for this stuff. We sat in the front row too, which helped. Um, and the whole th- the whole crowd had to write in what their um, greatest like desire was. Like, what what would their one wish be? And then I got called up on stage and I had to pick one of the audience members wish out of a bowl and it was she wished for a bigger butt. And I like read it. and um, So I start laughing. And the, the whole shtick was like they you're I wasn't allowed to say it. I just was supposed to read the note and think it. And then the two magicians like the assistant and the magician were going to guess what it was and draw it like Pictionary style on the board. And they did it and they drew this like big butt on a whiteboard and I was like, whoa, like it was crazy. So I get, honestly, I actually get blown away by magic and I love magic. I
0: do too. I love magic as well. Um, During COVID, my family like bought a magic evening on Zoom or something. And it was really fun. It was. I bet it was, it was really. Fun. I mean, it was one of those things. Where it's deep COVID. Yeah. What else are you gonna do? And the guy was good. Um, I did, however, sort of figure out a lot of things about it, which was like his Zoom. His Zoom was doing things that Zoom couldn't do. Like was, was that
1: part of the magic?
0: No, no, it wasn't. It. <laughs> It's more just like I figured out that he had pre-recorded like a lot of boxes. Because
1: oh. the way it worked
0: was there were a lot of people on this Zoom watching this magic show. Yeah. And there are a lot of boxes on the screen the way it looks like on Zoom when you're in a big meeting. And I think you were your mind was supposed to logically make the assumption that your square is just not showing up and that all these other people are the ones who are also oh, on the call. Oh my
1: goodness.
0: But at one point he made it so that There was a highlighted video and all of the smaller squares were around it, which is not a view that Zoom can do. And so then he, I started to sort of figure out that it was just like pre-recorded. Right. And it was edited and um, there were certain points where your Zoom did show up and like you could see it, but that was not any part that magic was happening. So unfortunately I I figured it out, but I was upset because I love magic yeah, and uh, I was hoping for well,
1: a I lot. mean, you would yeah. actually love Penn and Teller. It seems I like, would because that's their whole shig is like explaining magic. I will
0: say, and this is again like going back into my Top Chef memories. I think a lot of seasons they have some sort of magic component. Like yeah. they have because uh, there's always some sort of like uh, molecular gastronomy challenge. But while it do frame, while it do frame. But I think there are a few seasons where like they go to Vegas and they go see like a David Copperfield show or something. Uh-huh. But I, this is not the first and only magic challenge we've ever seen in the history of Top Chef.
1: Okay, so welcome Penn and Teller. Love the magic. Um, I'm going to say straight out of the gate, we also get another guest judge who I oh. will be with us, I think, most of the season. I have a lot of information. Toby Young. Yeah, let's do... He's such a little angry British baby okay, guy. Okay, I like... have a lot of information on this, okay, so okay.
0: I'm going to do a quick... I'm going to do a shallow dive into Michelle Bernstein and a deep dive onto Toby Young. Okay. So shallow dive on Michelle is she is the daughter of Argentine Jewish mother and a father of Russian Jewish heritage. So she's a nice Jewish girl. Wow. And Argentina during World War II, famously both sides fled there. So you got Nazis and you got, you know, victims. Right. Fun, fun place. Fun things happening in Argentina. But anyway, uh, she was on the right side of history and uh, she grew up in Miami. She is an expert in Latin style flavors, and she is a James Beard Foundation Award recipient for best chef best chef in the South in two thousand eight. So good for. Her. Nice. She had won a James Beard Award essentially right before okay. they filmed this. Cool. So she's at the top of her game. Yeah, she's uh, as well a known. Chef.
1: Kevin like remarked on
0: her yes, like, that clean. she had eaten in his restaurant. Yeah. So she's a big deal. Since then, she's pretty much just like been a media personality mostly mm-hmm. on
1: judging shows yeah. and all that jazz. Toby Young, oh, God laid on me. I, well, one thing before you get into the specifics, like, the sort of, like, spark notes of Toby Young is he's, like, one of the most, like, infamously mean, like, critics. chefs and critics. He's uh, not a chef. Oh, he's not a chef. No, he's a critic. Oh, okay, so now I don't even like him at all. Like, yeah. Okay. so unclear why he's joining halfway through the season, but
0: Gail, I think, up until recently was not a full-time judge. I think she was always, like, in the mix, but they oh. would cir- they would circulate her out from time to time. She does a few episodes... And then disappears. And so That's right. he's a Gail, Gail the yeah. lovely Gail Simmons is replaced by the irascible Toby Young. <laughs> Gosh, he. God, his
1: name would be Toby, too.
0: <sighs> he. Okay. So I have no idea who Toby is. All I know from the context clues of the chefs is that he's a really harsh critic.
1: Yeah.
0: So I looked into him, and it doesn't even seem like his food criticism is the most important thing about him. He was a British commentator who got his job, who got his start in journalism in the 90s. Okay. And he started a pop culture publication that was, I think it was in the early stages of like lowbrow culture for a highbrow audience. And, mm-hmm. which is really interesting to see that that's where he started. Um, and, but he got a lot of fame from that. And he started this publication that eventually went under, but, you know, publications go under, not okay. wrong with that. So then he went on to spend, like, the early 2000 writing plays about famous <laughs> British sex scandals. Oh, there's a market for that, I guess. I guess. Okay, so one of which was very well received. And it was about a sex scandal involving Boris Johnson, who admittedly, and I am sorry to all of our British listeners, I don't know British political history as well as I know American political history. I didn't really know about Boris Johnson's career before his recent stint as prime minister. Um, But, yeah, apparently he was active (laughs) in the early
1: 2000s. And it was like comedy, right? Like it was not a drama. I think
0: he was a comedy. But not only was he politically active, he was clearly sexually active in the early 2000s. But... Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. actually it's I'm not even it's like an unbelievable thought that Boris Johnson was sexually active um, <laughs> but I think he's still to this day sexually
0: I he, active he's sexually active <laughs> can you believe it? to this day no longer politically active but still very sexually active <laughs> gross I think he did so I know that he had like a much younger wife who in like a very alt-right fashion is like a blonde media bombshell yes. and dating like this gross, slovenly, right-wing guy. But I need to look into the details of that. So let me put it down for leftovers. Okay. Um, So I'm going to look into Boris Johnson uh, and his wife. So um, the other play was referred to as an unqualified disaster. So clearly, (laughs) he's not a Shakespeare of any kind. Right. Um, But there's way more information here besides his sex plays. In 2019... Boris Johnson, uh, oh, he supported Boris Johnson as a leader for the Conservative Party. And in 2020, he said he was wrong to back Boris Johnson for the leader of the Conservative Party. And then in 2022, he backed Boris Johnson for the leader of the Conservative Party. Oh, wow,
1: snip, snap, snip, snap. He-, <laughs> <laughs> he clearly can't figure out his opinion on Boris Johnson. He actually, um, I'm trying, I'm having a hard time deciding if I hate him more than the judge from Great British Bake Off. Which what, one? What was the guy, the bald guy?
0: Oh, you can't oh put them in the God. same category.
1: The bald guy is just a comedian who's not that funny. I guess. Just because they're both
0: bald doesn't and British. mean... British. And British. And, like,
1: so annoying. Yeah, but Toby, okay, no, Toby
0: Young is objectively a bad... I won't even... He's a bad guy. Okay. I will not put the two of them in the same okay, category. Okay. I That's refuse fair. to. That's so fair. I just need to get to like things about Toby Young. So at the time, again, Toby Young is a journalist. He's famous for his very inflammatory right-wing uh, opinions. Okay. And um, in 2023, in fact, last year, he was named the 44th most influential right-wing figure in British politics. 44, <laughs> like... I don't know how influential that makes him, but all to say, if you scroll down on his Wikipedia page, there's an entire section called controversies, plural. Oh and that's God. how you know he's a nefarious figure. You know, like...
1: He has his own He Wikipedia has controversies.
0: The first of which is titled
1: eugenics. Oh my God. What? This guy is a bad guy. So... Is this after we see him on Top Chef? Yes. Okay, so this is
0: after Top Chef, but he clearly has the seeds of this with just how angry and gross he is. God. But I felt it after Googling him that everybody needs to know about Toby Young. So Toby Young's eugenics scandal. I'm just going to read this straight from Wikipedia. Under a section titled Progressive Eugenics in a paper he wrote, Mm -hmm. he discussed developments in genetically engineered intelligence and proposed that should the technology for selecting embryos... For highly intelligent babies become predictable, it should be provided free of charge to parents in low-income situations with below-average IQs. Oh, God. How disgusting is that? Jesus. (laughs) So bad. So that's that's controversy number one. Controversy number two, Office for Students. In January 2018, Young was announced as one of the non-executive members of the board for the Office of Students, a body intended to ensure institutions of higher education are held accountable. The Guardian uh, reported that Young's teaching posts, as previously stated as uh, qualifiers for him to take the job of head of Office of Students, his teaching posts that he claimed he had at Cambridge and Harvard were misleading. And although Young had taught at the universities as a lecturer, he had never been appointed to an academic post at any of these institutions. Oh, my god. And the appointment, the universities, um, or the office of students very quickly revoked his membership on the board when his old Twitter posts of misogynistic and homophobic comments oh. were discovered.
1: Wow. Oh my God. I I, I like feel so good because I was like, I'm going to come here and just absolutely light this guy up and now I don't have to. Now you don't have to. But wait, there's a third controversy. Oh my goodness. Which is around COVID. And Of
0: course. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's your very run-of-the-mill alt-right like spreading flagrant misinformation about COVID. At the beginning, he said that the government was paying too much attention to it then he said that you know like rich people can't get covid then he said you know he was on the anti-vax train like that whole rigmarole right. and he is widely regarded uh as spreading wild misinformation about covid wow. and the la- i will end this okay. section about toby young with the following fact Young is reported to have edited his own Wikipedia page 282 times over the course of six years.
1: Oh my! So we could be reading an edited version for all we know.
0: Which is crazy because it is a very unflattering Wikipedia page. So if he's in there editing it,
1: imagine how bad he is. Right, and like, what, what, what do you think? The, like, scale of the edits are. Is like he changing like the number from like, like four offensive tweets to like two offensive tweets, or is it like fully removing facts? Like, I, we'll never know. But that is. So validating. That guy sucks. He sucks. And unfortunately, we're going to have to see him a few times this season. We are. We are. We'll just have to do the, like, kind of required, like, ugh, and yes. then just ignore it. But let's get into the elimination challenge. We haven't
0: even said what the challenge My is. My goodness. So why don't you check us off bits
1: Yes. So, um, this is kind of like a very, I think, like, textbook top chef challenge. Unimaginative. It's deconstruct a classic dish. Um, The thing I will say is, like, I love a knife draw. So I love that the chefs had to draw knives. Um, uh, So I'll just kind of quickly, like, rattle off, like, who drew what, just so, like, everybody's a frame And then I have some questions for you. Okay. So we have Jen drawing the knife for meat lasagna. Ash, shepherd's pie. Mike Viltaggio gets Caesar salad. Robin gets New England clam chatter. It's back. um, Eli, sweet and sour pork. Lorraine... Lorraine, excuse me. Fish and chips. Chicken gets. Uh, <laughs> chicken, <laughs> yeah. chicken gets. Chicken gets. Kevin. Uh, Kevin gets chicken mole negro. Brian gets Reuben. Ashley pot roast. Mike eggs Florentine. And Ron paella, which he says he does all the time. Which he does all the time, as he exclaims paella. Um, okay, so here's my question for you. Which one of these dishes would you want to deconstruct? Oh, my God. Okay, so I actually have thought of this, um, and it's sort of in, in in an observation, which I'll save, but I would really be going with something where the where the parts are sort of I, – I, I would tell you what I would not be picking. I would not be picking meat lasagna. I would not be picking mole negro. And the reason for those two is that I think that the the sauce is so core to that – um, dish, that it would be very hard to deconstruct, like, it would be hard to know where to draw the line on deconstruction. Like, on a mole, like, am I deconstructing, like, every facet of the mole sauce? Because there's, like, dozens of ingredients in a mole. So that was, like, one, one thought there. I actually think that I would go um, Caesar salad. You'd go the Michael Valtaggio? I would go Michael Voltaggio because I think that each of those ingredients you could do in a really interesting way. You have like a bread component, you have a green, you have like a, an anchovy, you've got citru- uh, you know, citrus acid. Um, I think that the, that, I love Caesar salad also, but like I think like f- uh, flavor profile wise, it really gets the salt, acid, fat, um, and even heat. Um Well, it will
0: not surprise you to learn that I, for the exact same reason, would pick Brian Voltaggio's dish, the Reuben. Oh,
1: yes. Okay, I think
0: it accomplishes those same things. It has a really, like, well-balanced dish in its just plain existence, Uh and there are so many components to pick apart, and you can do it in a creative way. I love the Caesar salad. Um... I was not as confused about meat lasagna as Jen Carroll seemed to be, but she knows better
1: than I do, so I trust her. Well, and I, I think that I, I made this note. I was like, the two people that I think ended up with the worst knife draws were Jen with meat lasagna and Kevin, actually, with chicken mole negro. I, I think it was for that sauce reason, but I think in particular, in the case of Jen with the meat lasagna, like those aren't flavors that she cooks with. Like it's meat, it's red sauce, it's like heavy. Like there's no way that you can spin that and use fish, for instance, mm-hmm. and like so. It I just think it was like very out of her comfort zone, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of I'm on the other side of that. I'm like that would be really challenging. I, I put I probably would have reacted the way she did. I think everything on this show would be very challenging. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: But, okay, you make an excellent point. I did have in my notes, like, haha, Jen has to do me. Yes, like, yeah. yeah. I was surprised she didn't do, like, a fish bechamel or something. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I'm sure she would have pulled something out. So but I was happy to see that she stayed true and clearly did well. A few other things I want to talk about. Eli's pressure
1: cooker. Oh, God. It just, to me, is, like, such attention-seeking behavior. Just use one of the pressure cookers that works. Like, for folks who didn't see the episode, so the long story short is, like, Eli has this pressure cooker that has, like, duct tape, like, wrapped around it. Like, like... And it, it explodes, like, in the middle of prep. Yep. And, like, makes this huge kaboom. And just, like... It's just like him. It's a, it is a disaster. there are... I think... We
0: need to look up the rules for this because in later seasons, Buddha is definitely like in this camp. The chefs are allowed to bring things with them into mm. the show. Actually, let's let's do a little deep dive on what chefs are allowed to bring. Okay, I'll make that. Um, and they are allowed to bring Buddha. famously brought like tons of molds with him, but um, I think they're allowed to bring like one appliance. And it's a strange choice for Eli because there are pressure cookers in the Top Chef kitchen. And even Ash made a comment, like, "Uh, clearly this one has magical powers because I don't know why you would waste, essentially, this one advantage you can have as a chef. Why would you waste it on something that's already there? That, by the way, like, broke and now you have to use the pressure cookers in the Top
1: Chef kitchen. So that was just silly. I think it's just, like, an anxiety thing. It's, like, those things are really finicky and if Mm -hmm. you know yours works, like... I would be so mad if I'm like, okay, fine, I'll use the, and then it. But goes the second
0: wrong. he got off the plane, he said that baggage handlers like ruined it. Oh. The second you got off the plane and saw it was damaged, why wouldn't you just abort mission? Yeah, and that's assume silly. that this thing that is entirely based on the seal that has now been busted open yeah. wouldn't work properly. What makes you think duct tape is gonna fix that, my guy? Oh
1: yeah, yeah, just insane. Yeah.
0: Um, okay. The other thing we should talk about is Robin won
1: the quick fire. Oh, which yeah. means she has immunity. Oh my goodness! And yet, what does she do with it? She takes a can of soup and turns it over on the plate. It was crazy, disgusting. Like the color was like gray green. So for context, what what exactly she made? she made the clam clam chowder. chowder, which she's actually made before in this competition with Ron. It looked like canned. Oh my god, that's right. She did not do it before. Yeah, it just looked like no, canned no. Sorry, she did soup. the
0: she did the chili with Hector. My bad. Right, right. Ron
1: and someone else did the clam chowder. Yeah, yeah. My bad. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, like, the, the notes really that I made for this elimination challenge were, um, I, I actually thought a little bit more about, like, the presentation here, because I think that the sort of deconstruction implies that you have to have a very interesting um, plating Uh, because the whole point of deconstructing is like, you're separating out the ingredients and then like the diner needs to like reassemble them in the way that they eat the food and they take the bite and it tastes like what, um, what the sort of reference meal was.
0: I have a question for you about the Robin of it all. If you were to receive immunity, do you think you would use it to go crazy Or do you think you'd use it to just, like, cook a good meal and, like, sort of save yourself the energy and anxiety and rest
1: up for the next challenge? I think you have to do crazy because, like, what you run into also is, like, you the worst that you can do is, like, play it safe and then the chefs, like, see that and see that you went middle of the road and basically, like, they have to go home because you're the worst one but you can't go home. Like, I think, like, it would garner quite a bit more respect to kind of go crazy and also just, like... I mean, I just think it would be more interesting as the contestant to to do that. Um, What about you? What what would be your approach? I I'd probably
0: take it easy, honestly. Interesting. Okay. And I I hate to be that guy, or I guess maybe this is just to play devil's advocate. Like, this is a very physically demanding competition. Oh,
1: yeah, and like
0: the the and it's physically demanding and emotionally demanding and that like you're constantly thinking of new ideas and you have to like think of something interesting and oh did I get this that and the other thing and you're like it's a test of all of your yeah. like nerve endings at once and I think if I were given the opportunity to sort of like sort of just Chill out in. for a day Yeah phone it in a bit I, I mean I would not Actively make a bad dish Right But I would complete the brief And nothing more That's
1: a because That's I a good strategy I've never rest, thought about it like, like that
0: Those opportunities Like Kevin getting to sit out That day yeah. With the French chefs Like I think you cannot Underestimate the power Of a day of rest Yeah In a competition show like
1: this That's so
0: true Because they I mean They just spent the night before Camping on a dirt patch On a ranch Yeah Yeah like, I'd take it They were the easy. elements.
1: That's so I true. I would.
0: And maybe that would not gain me a lot of respect from my fellow chef, Testins, but I'll be napping and yeah. you'll be freaking out.
1: Yeah. That's a really solid strategy. I'll, I, I can concede that being a, a good approach. But who knows um, in
0: the heat of the moment. I think also these chefs, one of the reasons why I'm not a chef in addition to not wanting to pursue a career as a chef. <laughs> um, it's like, truly, the egos on these guys are out of control. Yeah. Yes, I have an ego, but they are in it for fame and glory. Yes. And I think that the mindset of these guys is like, not only do I have immunity, but I won with immunity. To win with immunity is one of the badges of honor yeah. in Top Chef. And I think very few chef testins are willing to let that opportunity pass. Yeah. So they will go for it regardless. Yeah. They're they made want of that.
1: different stuff in that yeah. way. Yeah.
0: Exactly. But anyway, okay. So let's just walk through everyone's performance, or you know, some of the the really standout ones.
1: Yeah, I'd actually like to hear what you like visually. Well, you can take it whichever way you want. But like, what dishes come out to the table, and you are like, I wish I was there to eat that. Great question. Meat lasagna. Caesar salad. Um, I think Kevin's
0: chicken mole negro, which we need to take a moment to talk about. Yeah. He did so much work. Yeah. On, it took him two whole minutes just to say what the dish was. It was, and it looked very simple. Right. I mean, it didn't look simple. It just looked very He plain. was
1: concerned it was like going to be too brown.
0: Yes. Which it was brown. Yeah. But clearly that was okay because it tasted delicious. Right, But... He made so many components. And I love that immediately Michelle Bernstein said he cooked his butt
1: off on this plate. I love that she got it, respected it, acknowledged it. Yeah, I really think that
0: we need to take a moment to respect how hard he... He did probably three times the amount of work of most of the chefs there for that one dish in the same amount of time. And I just absolutely loved that. Um, The one that I'd be curious to try but am not interested in would be Ashley's pot roast. Mm -hmm. I'm not a pot roast girl. Um, Not but either. they clearly loved it, so I'd be curious, like, how she did it to make yeah. it good. Yeah, Um, dishes, what, what about you, what about you?
1: Um, the Caesar salad. I think I'm, like, really hyped on the Caesar salad this episode from, like, V. Um. Oh, sorry, the Reuben. I forgot to say the Reuben. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, and, the, but I don't think the, or no, did the judges. They said it was okay. It was okay. There was a few, like, kind of okay dishes But I just today. love a Reuben, so I wanna um, try it. I, you know, honestly, it's, it was kind of interesting, too, because. There was a few chefs that actually didn't even know what their what their meal was. Like, It would never had it before. Mike I. Ugh. Mike I didn't know what eggs florentine was. And Ash actually didn't know what shepherd's pie was. And, you know, he didn't even... I don't know a ton about shepherd's pie, but I know there's mashed potatoes in it. And he there was no mashed potatoes on the plate. And, like, he wasn't even planning on putting mashed potatoes on the plate. He was going to do turnips, and then, like, it didn't work, so he did... Like mashed peas or some shit? Yeah, which I I don't know much about deconstruction. But
0: to me, the thing from watching Top Chef over all these years is deconstruction is about if you close your eyes, it tastes the same. Yeah. But the experience of it visually and texturally is different. Right. And so I think Ash really got ahead of himself. Like, I'm going to switch out the mashed potatoes for this turnip. And it's like, no, no, no. If you close your eyes... Turnip puree and mashed potatoes do not taste the same.
1: You mm-hmm. need
0: a potato. It needs to taste yeah. like a potato. And so, yeah, he, he definitely erred on that one. Very quickly on Brian, he's got to
1: stop saying warm mayonnaise. <laughs> I didn't even clock that. Who wants warm <laughs> yeah. mayonnaise? unless it's fresh mayonnaise, which I've done. Sure, but like on
0: the um, the Trout and Bernays, he yeah. called it a warm mayonnaise. On this, a warm mayonnaise to me, that's just food poisoning in a
1: bottle. Yeah, that's a little strange to like really. Yeah, double so click chill out, Brian, on that one. Um, poor Ron, this challenge. Oh. I think like it, <laughs> again, just like the the every shot we got of Ron really kind of put him in the light of like he's he's like on another planet for this one. Like he does not understand what deconstructed means. Like you know, Eli and Kevin are trying to kind of explain it to him because they're they're seeing what's going on. And they're worried. Like he, I don't think he understands that. Like you know, you just don't substitute out one ingredient. He kept like you, saying... You, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, like, you, you have to, like, refactor the whole thing. He kept saying, so
0: I'll do this and I'll make it chic. Like, he was conflating deconstructed with chic. Because yeah. I think at the
1: time it was very trendy. Yeah. But deconstructed is not chic. Yeah. So he um, he was really excited when he got it. I think that, like, kind of blinded him a little bit mm-hmm. to the fact of, like, what the actual challenge was asking. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, who haven't we touched on? I w- Let's talk about Eli's sweet and sour pork. That was the most disgusting plate of food. I, I actually think that, like, next to Ash's quickfire from last week where he had the, like, thick taco, sh- like, shells or whatever strangeness. Like, this looked so unappetizing when it came out. There's, like, these, like, gray balls I just, like, I don't know. He's also just, like, annoying me, so. He also
0: lent, uh, or created the opportunity for a very funny tasting moment where Toby Young, blah, said, like, it looks like bull's testicles. And Padma has a zinger. Boom. Which I think gets to, you know, what we were talking about last episode with... She's adventurous. She'll yeah. eat anything. Like, she really is a good food critic. Yeah. And Toby Young is sitting there with his, like, alt right persona. He's like, it looks like bull testicles. And she goes, I've actually had bull's testicles, and these are bigger. <laughs> Just incredible. It was like a really sort of, even though it obviously wasn't about Toby Young's dick, like, it was a very emasculating yeah. moment for him, and I loved it.
1: There's a lot of clapbacks on Toby, actually. Um, oh, Michelle, yeah, Michelle Bernstein, Bernstein gets one in in the judge's table. We'll talk about that in a bit, but. Yes. Um, but yeah, you know, other person we didn't talk about, uh, Lorraine, Lorraine, sorry. that (laughs) name just is not sticking. Fish and Chips, I think she did a bad job with this. Yeah, didn't have enough chips, um, I don't know. Fish and Chips, I feel like it comes up some seasons and people kind of never really get it right. Yeah, it's tough, um, but... I love a fish and chips. I do. I did like her line where she
0: said, "The only thing you're missing is the newspaper." I thought that was sweet. It was a cute nod. I kind yeah. of it made me wish that she had put some sort of newspaper element on it. Mm-hmm. That, I think that would have been a cool, especially because it was about deconstruction. I think and it would have been a like, beautiful nod. The magic nod. guys are there, and yeah. But
1: you know, whatever. Anyway, okay, so let's talk about Judges Table. Second week for Ashley at Judges Table oh, in so the happy. top in the top four. I'm so happy about it. We had Ashley. We had Mike V, um, and we had Kevin and Jennifer. Um, Jennifer, I think, was shocked because, like, the whole time we're getting the vibe from her that she's like not feeling really confident in this dish, and like you could tell, like, when they said her name, she was like, "What?" Um, (laughs) Which just shows how
0: good she is. Yeah, I love that. Even on her least confident day, like, she has a foundation that's going to carry her very far. Yeah, she has really good sensibility. And we love Jen Carroll for that. This is a Jen Carroll Stan account. Yes, And Ashley Stan account. And Kevin Stan account.
1: Honestly, yes, dude. Yes. (laughs) Love it. Um, They're they're a Mrs. Congenialities. Yes.
0: But yeah, I have in my notes, it's... I'm happy to see her on top. It's proving what we thought. They're like, why is she on the bottom? Like, she seems yeah. like she doesn't deserve to be there, but she's hitting her stride. Yes, And that's totally. great to see. Um, as
1: always, I'm very happy to see Kevin win. Yay! I love yes. it. Kevin took the win. Um, he and some guessed... nonstick cookware. Oh, yeah. He was, like, flaunting it, too. If you gotta flaunt it, whatever. Um, so, this is the second elimination challenge for Kevin. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm. we need to do a... Full tally, but that's how about our next episode? We'll just do a rundown of who has. Yeah, who we'll do we'll do a quick one. I believe Brian has three. I think Kevin has one, and I think Jen has one. Excuse me, along Kevin those has lines. two, and Jen has one. Something um, along
0: those lines. Yeah,
1: so we'll check that out.
0: Um, <laughs> Save it for leftovers. But
1: anyways, so that's the top. You know, Michael V. we Not much more to say there. Tom makes the comment like, "This is the type of food that makes you excited about food."
0: This was. I mean, a tailor-made challenge for Michael. Yeah, if so, he wasn't
1: in this part, I think it would really have kind of hurt his ego. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about the bottom. So we have Lorreen, Ron, and Ash. Yeah. I mean, homie just didn't have any potatoes in that shepherd's pie. <laughs> and you have a, you know, guest British judge. Like, that's all they eat. It's like potatoes and, and shepherd's a pie. a
0: particularly nasty British judge. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, Ash sort of... Fell on his face on this one, and the the protein was inconsistently cooked, which is a huge no no on yeah. Top Chef. It is right next to incorrectly cooked. Yeah, is inconsistently cooked, um, and essentially, in, you can't excuse not knowing the dish with bad cooking. Yeah, like there's just both of these things can't be true. Yeah, Agreed. so it was it was off, Lorene. Um, it just wasn't great. Like, yeah. it was very subpar. But again, I don't think she's going home over it because she didn't royally mess up anything. She just missed the mark on every element. But yeah. it, was, it was properly cooked. It was, like, fine. Yeah,
1: I honestly didn't even write notes for her. Um, yeah, I, I have one bullet point, I have which was... two question marks. <laughs> she knew what she did wrong. She, she knew. She knew.
0: But, okay, so then we have
1: Ron. Um, he just... He didn't get the challenge. He didn't get it. The rice was soggy, but also somehow dry.
0: But I will say, like, they really tore into him.
1: Yeah. They just
0: kept saying, like, first Michelle said, the rice was poorly cooked. Then Tom said, this was bad, this was bad. And then Padma said, and on top of all of that, it wasn't deconstructed. Like... God, it, he was kick a, a guy a when piled he's piled down. Yeah, it was a little bit of a <laughs> And piled. he's just like a really nice guy who clearly is so out of his element on this challenge. Yeah. Not that he needs to have any grace for that. Right.
1: But it yeah. just, it was uh, too much, I think. It was hard to watch. Okay, so soggy paella, Nancy, are you eating that? No, dog. I'm not eating that. I don't love shrimp. There was shrimp on that plate. Um, and it just didn't look good. Yeah, I I, I think I'm going to agree with you. Like, honestly, like, it probably tastes about as good as, like, a box of Uncle Ben's. You know, it's, like, probably fine, but, nah, like, I don't think I would be eating that. It
0: wasn't Top Chef worthy. Wait, can you remind me, because I watched it yesterday, but what was the paella moment,
1: the pronunciation moment at Judge's Table? Oh, oh, God, yeah. Okay, so Toby's like, um, well, we disagree about the the paella, even about the pronunciation. And it's like, well, you're not going to... You're not going to say Mexico or Barcelona, and then, like, Rachel Bernstein at the end of the show. Michelle (laughs) Bernstein. Michelle Bernstein. I went to
0: high school with someone named Rachel Bernstein. If you're listening, shout shout
1: out. out. Um, Michelle Bernstein is like, um, actually, I do say Barcelona, and I say paella because I'm a Latin woman and just was like, you dude, like... He yeah, sucks. I'm really glad that all of the girls got their swings in on this one with yeah. Toby. He yeah. he sucks hardcore. Clearly
0: they don't like working with him.
1: Anyway, so not to end all this on a sour note, let's talk about Ron. What's he up to now? Where is
0: he now? So um, in a quick deep dive on Ron and where is he now, he is still a chef. Um, he does not seem to be the executive chef of any restaurants. Mm. Um, Ron Duprat... But in 2010, so one year after this, okay. uh, Oprah Magazine named his butternut squash and sweet potato bisque as one of her, Oprah's favorite recipes of the year, Whoa. which is very cool. But yeah, so he doesn't seem to be running a restaurant, but he is still a chef. You, his website says you can hire him for consultations. I don't know what that hmm. means. Um, but I looked at his Instagram. He's like, I think he does the rounds at like the culinary schools and gives talks
1: cool um but yeah I get I I see that for him like I think he's just not somebody who just like wants to be running the show I think he probably just loves cooking and is like let me just chill in this my lane and well good for Ron hell yeah I love to hear that um yeah this was maybe like a little bit of a like episode but there was still some really fun stuff we still Um, got 48 minutes out of it we still we still juice a lot out of it um do you have a judges table this week Yeah, you know what? I have a judge's table. Okay, let me start your clock. This is Bits's judge's table, one minute, starting now. Okay, the Robin pile-on. Like, is Robin a little silly? Is she, like, does she wear her, like, hard on her sleeve? Does she talk too much when she cooks? Yes, but, like, it was just... I just didn't love how nasty everybody was this episode to her. Like, Lorene is nasty to her because, like, she asks Lorene to, like, take something out of the oven for her. Which, like, yeah, that was, like, kind of a dopey thing to do. But, like, Lorene's kind of a biatch to her. And then Eli's comment, just, like, was that this episode or last episode? Yeah. Just gnarly. Um, I just don't like all the, like, hating bashing. And it's, like, okay, so she's a bad cook and she's still there. Like, shouldn't you be excited about that? Like, Clearly, like, then she's knocking out these better chefs. So, like, when you get to the end of it, it's like, okay, if it's you and Robin, like, great. Like, you'll probably win. Um, So, I don't know. I just, to me, this was, like, one of the... This storyline is, like, one of the most decidedly distinct ones that make this season feel so much of its time than the other Top Chef seasons where people are a lot more, like... There's a lot more camaraderie, so... Anyways, didn't love the Robin bashing. Uh, it yeah. was funny when she fell, but <laughs> that's all I'll say about that.
0: I will, yes, just to add one little thing. Like, she's clearly not going to win. Yeah. I wonder what it's like to be in the house. It must really feel like, is this woman a contender? Yeah. With the vitriol that they have for her. Yeah. But they have to know that she's not going to win. Right. And so why are they so hype about her? This is Nancy's Judge's Table starting now. So, my judge's table, and I'm sorry to do this to him, but paella, as a dish, Mm. I've never been a fan. And there are a few reasons why. First, I've never really understood what's so special about, like, rice and seafood. Mm -hmm. It just is not that interesting to me, but it's always such a big deal when there's paella on the menu. Like, and there are so many different types of paella. I'm sorry to the entire country of Spain. I know this, like, is your national dish, but... I've just never understood the hype about paella. That's number one. Number two, I'm not a huge shellfish person, so it just doesn't appeal to me. Number three, the price. Paella famously uses saffron as an ingredient, yeah. which is one of the most expensive spices out there, and I'm just going to say it, it doesn't taste like anything.
1: Totally respect that perspective. Um, wow. So we had, a lot, we had a lot of gripes to pick on this episode, but um, well, we're... We're still loving it. We're still loving it. love Top Chef. We'll get them next
0: time. We're having fun. We hope you're having fun. Thanks for tuning in. This is Compliments to the Chef.